0: That's investher, promo code 100 best ever to get $100 off your ticket.
1: Don't let the bumps, don't let getting knocked down once or twice keep you from getting up and moving
0: forward. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com.
2: Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Tim Vest. Tim is joining us from Huntersville, North Carolina. He is a full-time technology manager for a large bank and investor. Tim is a KP, GP, LP in multifamily syndications. Tim, thank you for joining us, and how
1: are you today? Hey, Osh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on.
2: I'm um, very well. Tim, before we get started, can you give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Yeah, sure. So again, Tim Best, got an IT background, been doing IT for 23 years, ever since I graduated from NC State here in North Carolina. And a strong background in IT, founded a couple of small little IT startups, a couple of app companies. And then around 2006, got into real estate, met a couple of guys I was working with at an IT company and they were doing some real estate investing and it kind of piqued my interest, had always had some interest in the real estate space. So got involved with doing land development, buying raw land, getting it ready for developers then selling it off to them. And I did that for a couple of years until 2008, 2009 happened. Hit a little bit of a snag with that. But then uh, around 2010, started to get back into it with some fix and flips and single family rentals. And around 2018, 2019, made a pivot into the multifamily space. And that's where my focus is now.
2: IT guys doing land development. What's going on?
1: Yeah, IT guys doing land development. So the way that happens is in the IT world, we make pretty good salaries, tend to have a little extra income. So we were able to leverage our income, our W-2s and our credit to work with developers that needed help getting land prepped to bring it to the general public. A lot of times these large home builders or even small home builders, they leverage their own credit, their own capital to secure the land or they work with a land owner to secure the land, but then they look for people to come in and help them with the capital needed to then put utilities and infrastructure in place to then actually build a land.
2: You guys were essentially money partners on the deal? Yeah, pretty much. What kind of returns did you see from that?
1: Oh, significant. So on those types of deals, I'll just give you one example. And those types of deals on a hundred acre plot, we'd buy 10 acres for say $500,000. And then within 18 months, we would typically sell that back to the developer for 625,000. So on those $500,000 plots, 450 of that was financed, 50,000 down from us. And then a total cash return of 125 in addition to our 50 back within 18 months. Beautiful story. Yeah.
2: Tim, 2018 multifamily, did you get tired of the single families?
1: Not so much that I got tired of it. Well, the land thing, that stopped happening in 2008. Our development partners with the 2008 market crash for real estate, they ceased to exist anymore.
2: Did you guys get burned on that?
1: Oh yeah, big time. To the tune of? To the tune of about three times what we actually made. Oh Uh, no,
2: so everything you put in was washed away plus some.
1: Yeah, and we spent about two years cleaning that up, just personally cleaning that up. Because as a lot of people, not just land, but even homes at the time, something that you had a loan on for 500000 may only be worth 250000 And in some cases, banks were calling loan dues to get risky credit or credit they deemed risky off their books. So we went through that.
2: So you guys were in the weeds for a while. Luckily, you still had your IT career.
1: Yeah, we were in the weeds. Fortunately, looking back on it, one of the best things coming out of that was we did not know at the time about other people's money. So we did not have investors. We were doing it with our own. So the only money we lost was ours. So while that was painful, I was at least able to put my head on the pillow at night knowing that I didn't lose somebody else's money because that's a whole different ballgame. That's a
2: whole different ballgame. And Tim, were you jaded and just sitting on the sidelines for 10 years
1: when it comes to real estate? Yes. I was on the sidelines for a couple of years. I got back in a couple of years later with the fix and flip and single family stuff. So I wasn't so much jaded. One thing for a couple of years sitting there cleaning things up, what I kept looking back at was I know things went south, but look at what I was able to do in a short period of time. I was able to take 50,000 and turn it into 125,000 in a very short time. So instead of being jaded, what I actually started to look at was what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? Where did I put myself in a risky position? And I've said this a couple of times to a few different people. What I kept coming back to was I didn't have cash flow on these properties. So I couldn't wait things out. And I had no exit strategy that was not dependent on the developers themselves. So when my developer partners went away, I had. 10 acres of land sitting in the middle of the North Carolina mountains with no infrastructure. You couldn't get to it without a four by four or on foot. So that was difficult for someone like me that wasn't in the development space themselves. So no exit strategy. there was nothing else I could do with this land at the time.
2: Did that developer just disappear? Just ghosted you guys?
1: No, to their credit, they didn't really ghost us or disappear. They couldn't do business. They were over leveraged. Banks were calling on them too. They just had to close the doors as well. I would be remiss if I said that it wasn't painful for them. Those development partners had been in business for a very long time, 20 years plus. Yeah. And they no longer existed after that. So I'm sure that was tough for those guys.
2: Yeah. So single families and then to syndications, how'd you come to find that?
1: Probably the same way a lot of other people do. Again, single family, I was renting them, saw the cash flow, loved it. Didn't scale very well, although I think there's some ways now to do it a little bit better. But it wasn't scaling very well. I'd created a basically another full-time job for myself and I was reaching limits to what I could do with my own money. So I started to look for other places to go. And as I was looking where to pivot, sell off my portfolio and pivot into one of the things i kept saying to myself was i have experience with tenants and renters let me just do this in properties that are bigger than a single family home so let me do it in a quad or a tri or or a fiveplex and then i met a mentor who was well why are you stopping at fiveplex let's talk 20 30 40 50 units he's like the more tenants you can get under a single roof the better it scales So that's kind of how I landed in the multifamily space was by taking some of the experience that naturally transitioned from single family into multifamily. And then one of the biggest things I did for myself was finding a mentor that would help me move into that space.
0: We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. Passiveinvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. Investor Guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive, apartment, and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Mark your calendars for the best ever conference February 24th through 26th back in person at the Gaylord Rockies Convention Center. Join the experienced community and phenomenal speakers for a weekend of learning the best commercial real estate strategies. Building relationships and quite frankly, having a lot of fun. As a bonus, once you purchase your ticket, you are put into a mini mastermind group to start making connections with other commercial real estate investors immediately. Get the lowest prices right now at besteverconference.com. That's besteverconference.com.
2: What was your first syndication?
1: So, my first syndication was actually as an LP. I did not go in as an active partner at the time. I wanted to get some experience. So I invested as an LP in a 42 unit property in Mobile, Alabama. That was the first multifamily syndication that I participated in.
2: How are the numbers on that?
1: They're good. We're still in that deal. So far, the numbers are good. I think we're coming up on a refi event here in the next 60 days, where it's looking like all investor capital is going to come back to the investors. So I'll get my initial capital back. And so far, we've been hitting the pref, which is right out of seven pref every quarter. So can't complain right now.
2: Yeah, Tim, I love that you invested as an LP first before becoming a GP, because I think it's so important that people see things from the investor's perspective. The communication, the returns, the treatment of the investors is so important.
1: Yeah. And I also wanted to understand before I went to ask people for money into a syndication, I wanted to understand being an investor in a syndication as well. I wanted to see it through the lens of an investor before I took on the role of asking people for their money.
2: How did you choose this particular deal to invest in?
1: I was working with a couple of different syndicators at the time. Actually, I was trying to vet them out, getting to know them. And it just so happened that I had built a pretty good relationship with a sponsor team on this one. So when it came time, when I started to feel comfortable with investing as an LP, I kind of gravitated towards this group of guys because I built a really good relationship with them. And that's how I landed there. Are they local to you? They are not local to me. So I'm in Huntersville and they're actually on the ground there in Mobile.
2: So great question is how did they and you build a great relationship remotely? Because I think there's some valuable lessons to be learned here.
1: Lots of Zoom conversations, lots of phone calls, and quite frankly, texts. Texts at 11 o'clock at night where we're just chatting with each other. It really wasn't that difficult for me. Again, I'm being in the IT space, I fully admit that I'm used to doing a lot of things remotely. I've managed teams overseas for years and built relationships that way. So I was comfortable with that. And I feel like I have a pretty good read of most people through those types of means of communication, but it wasn't quick. I didn't talk to him one time and decide to do it. I was having multiple conversations with him over the course of months.
2: And what was it that they did that the other syndicators didn't? Was it just continuing to have conversations with you over time? Did the other syndicators not spend as much time with you?
1: So here's one of the funny things. This particular syndicator, in all the conversations we had, never once asked me to invest in their deal or asked me about money. It was just conversations, his kids, my kids, what he and his wife are doing, what me and my wife are doing, what my goals were as an investor, those types of things. Never really, hey, do you have 50, $100,000 to put into a deal? Nothing like that. So that was one of the things I liked was this particular guy was just being very genuine and it didn't come across as a hard sell. It just seemed to be building a relationship, building a rapport. And I really liked that because quite frankly, that's how I approach things as well. I like to know people that are investing with me before we go down that route.
2: Tim, did you initiate every conversation, whether it was on the phone, Zoom or text, or did they proactively reach out to you throughout this
1: process? It was a mix of both. So I didn't initiate every conversation. They didn't initiate every conversation. There were times when they would reach out to me. There were times when I would reach out to them. So it was definitely a mix.
2: That's great. So they took an empathetic approach to really learn about you and not just, hey, are you going to invest or not?
1: Yeah, correct. Yeah,
2: that's great. So when it comes time for you to do your own syndication, take me down that route.
1: So when it came time for me to do that, my first syndication was not in a deal on the GP side. The first one I did on the GP side was not in a deal that I found myself at a partner or a connection here in the huntersville charlotte north carolina area who was doing a deal in winston-salem and he reached out to me saying hey would you be interested in participating on this and we knew each other through mutual connections and had had some conversations before oddly enough we worked w2 jobs at the same company so met him for coffee we chatted we talked for a little bit i didn't commit at that time went home thought about it for a couple of days had a few more conversations with him and then said, Yeah, I'd be interested in participating on this, playing some boots on the ground since I'm not too far from Woodson Salem and also raising some capital on it. So, committed to raising $500,000 in two weeks and hit that number. Is it Plus, your IT buddies? No, it wasn't my IT buddy. It was people that I'd been having conversations with over the previous year. Because when I say I pivoted into multifamily, it's been a good year to year and a half pivoting and laying some groundwork, laying the foundation, building my network before I did my first LP deal. And definitely before I participated in my first syndication as a GP.
2: Can we dive into that as well? I think that's so important. So the time that you spent building your network, marketing yourself, what types of activities did you do to accomplish that?
1: A number of things. One, like I mentioned earlier, finding a mentor. That was one of the biggest things for me is I knew from my land development days that I wanted somebody that had been there, done that here in the multifamily space. And I wanted to be able to have access to that individual. So spent some time finding that person, built a network around that, vetted my mentor. I think I nailed it down to like three guys. And I was like, all right, now I'm going to kind of stalk them a little bit quietly, monitoring what they were doing. Looking up their deals, looking up their track record, and landed on a guy out of Ohio and started working with him. And that went really, really well. I knew that one of the places that I would need a push was in the capital raising space, building my network of investors. So I went after a mentor that would be able to help push me in that space. And he definitely did completely change my mindset around those types of things. And then went about spending the next year kind of building my network of investors through friends and family through coffee conversations through zoom meetings and through social media quite honestly leverage linkedin and facebook quite a bit consistently every day multiple times a day and then would have conversations with people i'd meet through that and then i also set aside a chunk of money for myself that i always call kind of personal development personal education that I would use for joining mastermind groups and building my network through mastermind programs with people who were looking to do the same thing in real estate. So all of that combined.
2: You put a tremendous amount of time into this. And when people think I need to grow my network, I mean, that's a lot of effort that you put into it.
1: Oh yeah. It's not quick for sure.
2: And then how did you market yourself? How did people know that, hey, you're also a real estate investor and not just an IT guy?
1: I just talked about things I'd done. I was very open about things I'd done. I was very open about the mistakes I'd made back in 2007, 2008. I was very open about where I had gone wrong there, as well as how I pivoted and went into other areas of real estate. And I would just have conversations about that. So I think the feedback I get from people a lot is that they feel like it's genuine and they're appreciative of the fact that I'm willing to not just talk about everything that went right, but I'm also willing to talk about things that didn't go so right.
2: That is incredible. And are you doing a lot of this on social media or in
1: person or both? Both. Social media, in person, and then through Zoom calls and phone calls.
2: You are a KP, LP, and a GP. Can you explain the difference between a KP and a GP for our listeners?
1: a GP has a much more active role, at least, In my mind, the way I separate it is a GP has a much more active role. A KP can be active, but typically not as much, but a GP is involved in all aspects or can be from capital raise, investor relations, asset management, those types of things of when you get the property under management, KP is a little bit more of just doing the sponsorship piece of it. In fact, I'm actually talking to somebody right now about being the KP on one of their deals that they're doing where they need somebody to come in and help them qualify for a Freddie loan. So we're talking about what my background is, what my business partner's background is, and if we are able to help them qualify for that. So I think that kind of sums it up.
2: Yeah. So a KP or a key partner has a specific role that they have to fulfill. And in return, they're often awarded equity in the deal.
0: Right. We'll get back to the show in just two minutes, but first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Let me ask you a question. Do you want to start your own syndication business or maybe you've tried but you've been unable to get your first apartment deal? Well, it's hard. I know firsthand getting started in syndication is not easy. So have you considered working with a mentor? Imagine working one-on-one with a full-time syndicator who can help you do your first apartment building deal faster, help you avoid big mistakes, and scale your portfolio. If you feel like I'm speaking to you right now, then I want you to check out the mentoring program from my friend Michael Blanc who specializes in helping people get started with apartment buildings. I've known Michael for many years now and he genuinely wants to help people become financially free. He developed a proven system and has helped hundreds of people do their first apartment building deal. I know he can help you as well. To find out more text the word Joe, J-O-E, to 66866. I know Michael's going to take care of you. Go ahead and text the word Joe. J-O-E to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind and let's get you started with your own apartment syndication business. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors and I bet you're having a challenge right now especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate. And Follow-Up Boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly. Directly for deals, or you can follow up with your investors, and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners, then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The Follow-Up Boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Follow-Up Boss offers extra Experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30 day free trial, twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow up. So, What
2: are you working on now? What's the deal that's in front of you?
1: The deal we're working on right now is a deal in Georgia. We don't actually have it completely nailed down. So I'm not going to talk too much about exactly where it is. Just give us coordinates. (laughs) latitude and longitude. Yeah. We'll just say north of Florida, (laughs) but we're working on a deal in Georgia right now. That is a 56 unit property. And we're looking to get into that one for a little under 60,000 a door. And the cap rate would be around a seven cap on purchase, which right now sitting here today is pretty good with the way the market's going right now. So that one will be a true value add. There's quite a bit of work that needs to be done on it. Quite a bit of exterior work, but nothing that's real scary. We've walked into properties where our general contractor or our engineer is like, you need to do significant work to make sure this building doesn't fall down. This one is more cosmetic. There's just some neglect on the outside, overgrown bushes, need some paint here and there, take some graffiti off some storage units in the back, stuff like that. So we're real excited about that one. And that'll actually be our first foray into Georgia. We've done Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, into Alabama, but we skipped over Georgia up until now.
2: How did you find that deal?
1: Broker connection, completely off market. We have a strong broker connection with a really good independent broker who seems to like how we take deals down, how smooth we try to make the process. And once we proved that we had the ability to close and that we could close smoothly, those types of things start to show up in our inbox or we start to get phone calls on those pretty quickly.
2: So with all of your networking, do you also include brokers in that networking?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's
2: important. So it's not just chasing people with money.
1: No, it's not at all. With
2: deals, brokers, everybody.
1: Yeah, you gotta have the full thing. Obviously, if you do this long enough, you run into guys who all I want to do is raise capital, and I want to participate that way. And we really appreciate that, and we have partners like that as well that are huge to being successful here. But at the same time, it takes the money and the asset, the property, to do a deal. So you got to find both, and that requires direct to seller that requires broker conversations, you name it. So he has broker connections are key.
2: How much money are you raising for this deal?
1: So if we move forward with this one, the total raise will be just over 2 million.
2: And how much of that is CapEx?
1: The total CapEx on that one will be just under 1.2. So
2: $800,000 to acquire it and then 1.2 for CapEx. What's
1: the purchase price? the purchase price on this one will be 3.4.
2: And is your capital stack fully loaded, ready to go?
1: Yeah, it is. Absolutely.
2: What will the return to investors be?
1: So right now we always do conservative projections, almost worst case, but on a conservative underwriting model, we're looking at around an 18 IRR, just over a 10% cash on cash. And then just under a 2.1 equity multiple on a five-year hold. Got
2: it. Tim, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: Best real estate investing advice ever. For me, just based on my personal experience, I would just have to say, don't let the bumps, don't let getting knocked down once or twice keep you from getting up and moving forward. I could have easily let 2008 keep me from getting back into the real estate game at all. I didn't. And I'm very, very glad I did not over the last five years, especially over the last 18 months. It's been phenomenal.
2: Yeah, you are a great example of that. Tim, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Hope so. All right, we'll find out. Tim, what's the best ever book you recently read?
1: Best ever book I recently read is Who Not How, just all about scaling and, and enabling that.
2: What's the best ever way you like to give back?
1: Best ever way I like to give back is just having conversations with other people who, like me, were just getting started off at one point in time. So when people call and they have just questions about starting, I like to actually spend some time and talk to them about that.
2: How can the best ever listeners reach out to you?
1: Yeah, we mentioned social media. I'm on LinkedIn under my name, Tim Vest, or you can grab me at tvest at harvestpg.com. So harvest, P is in Paul, G as in George.com.
2: Tim, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story from... Being an IT guy, getting rocked in 2008, but learning from that and picking yourself up. And now you're doing syndications, your partners on multiple deals. So thank you again for all of that advice
1: today. Yeah, Ash, thanks for having me on and I appreciate it.
2: Awesome. Best ever listeners. Thank you for joining us and have a best ever day.